morning, it's Money Talk with James Ross. It's 18 minutes to nine. And in your money today, Karen Wright takes a look at the challenges virtual banks pose to more traditional players in the space. Uh, Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. A recent report found that virtual banks currently pose a limited threat to incumbents in the banking sector, despite their recent rapid growth. So let's take a dive into the findings of that report and what's happening. I'm joined by Sean Hung, who is Vice President and Senior Credit Officer at Moody's Investors Service. He's the lead author of that report. Thank you for joining me today, Sean. Thanks for having me. Let's kick off with a look at the differences. What sets a virtual bank apart from an incumbent in the banking sector so we can understand the differences? Virtual bank means they don't have physical branches to do their business. Normally, they just use their apps and technology to provide their services and products to their client, including the loan application and deposit taking. And in terms of the risk management, they rely on the big data such as consumption practice of their client, credit bureau's scoring system, as well as the import and export data to assess the credit risk. And this business model allows them to provide much faster banking services to their client, and they can also focus on some unsecured personal and SME lending, which is different to the incumbent bank because the incumbent bank focuses on large corporate And even though they have retail business, most of their uh, retail lending are on mortgage. So that's the major difference between the incumbent bank and the virtual banks in Hong Kong. Hong Kong, obviously, very, very established banking sector. How difficult a market is the city for a virtual bank to make their mark in? Relatively speaking, I would say that the virtual bank market in Hong Kong is a bit crowded. Uh, we have 8,900 virtual banks in Hong Kong compared to only 3 in Korea and 4 to 5 in Singapore. So that means the virtual banks in Hong Kong, they face intensive competition among themselves. Having said that, Hong Kong is the developed economies. So its banking population already reached around 98%. So if the virtual bank need to develop their business, they have to compete with the incumbent banks directly. But in the past decades, some large incumbent banks, they already spent a lot of resources to build up their technology, including online banking and mobile banking, which allow them to provide low-cost services to Hong Kong-going tech-savvy population. And last but not the least, payment services is one of the key business of the virtual bank. And for some very successful virtual banks in the other regions, including Kakao Bank in Korea, they also have a very comprehensive payment services and network for their clients. But in Hong Kong, the payment services is very matured. We have credit card, Autopass, Alipay, WeChat Pay, and also the fast payment system provided by the HKMA for the real-time transactions. So it gives a very limited room for the virtual banks to further develop their payment services. So it's a very difficult market in Hong Kong for the virtual bank to, uh, to operate. The players already in the banking sector were offering many of the services that these new guys can do. So very difficult for them. That begs the question, what are the challenges that these virtual banks are facing with with fundraising? And particularly at the moment, because things are quite tricky with macroeconomic uncertainties in the world too. Yes. First of all, the virtual bank in Hong Kong are still in the initial stage and they only have two years' histories. So on one hand, they are still loss-making, 
And on the other hand, they have to focus on the business growth, uh, building up their scale, uh, kind acquisition. So they are highly rely on the external capital to support their operation. If we look at their major investor, they are incumbent banks and also the tech giants. So the change of the operating environment and the macroeconomic uncertainty, such as the increase in interest rate, the uncertainty in the geopolitical situation did reduce their intentions to further put the capital into the virtual bank business. On the deposit side, this virtual bank in the past few years reported a very significant growth in their deposit. But if we look at the breakdown, they focus on the time deposit, which is a, a very interest rate sensitive. And given that the increasing deposit competition since second half of last year due to the rising interest rate, the virtual bank have to pay higher funding costs to retain and keep their deposit. So I would say that the change of the macroeconomic environment did create some negative impact for their fundraising as well as their funding structure. And how about where regulation is concerned? We've heard all sorts of things happening over even the last few weeks with the, the banking crisis in, in the w- wider world, which has brought a lot of calls yeah. around regulation. Where do we stand with regulation over the fintech sector and these new players, the virtual banks? Of course, uh, the tightening regulation uh, will have negative impact for the innovation of the fintech. As you know, Regulatory cost is always the entry barrier for the tech firms to do their business in the financial sector. And the increasing cost will reduce their interest and intentions to further invest in this business, or maybe they can consider to partner with the other existing financial institutions to do the business instead of doing it by, by themselves. And it also will increase the operating cost for the existing payer. In recent years, especially in the developed economies, including Hong Kong, there have been a few more tightening regulations against the virtual bank as well as the fintech. Regulators focus on the capital adequacy, AML issue, KYC issue, as well as the unregulated products. For example, recently in, in Australia, the regulator imposed more regulatory burden for the buy now, pay later provider which increased their um, operating difficulty, including afterpay and SIP. But again, I mean, financial services is a highly regulated industry. We need this regulation to protect the social interests. And we don't want to see the risk in fintech jeopardize the banking system and financial system. So it makes sense that regulation is there, obviously. Yeah. Let's think about what their future, where their future lies. You mentioned the possibility of more partnerships ahead. I wonder how viable you see these virtual banks as being. You know, could we see any of them folding? Could we see more partnerships? What? How's how's it going to change? I, I would say that even though they they face some challenges. I still think that they are viable. First of all, they are well capitalized. Their capital adequacy ratio are much higher than the incumbent banks. Some of them, their tier one ratio already above 100%. Secondly, um, they are still very important to their investor and also the parents. They want to use the virtual bank platform as a pioneer to develop the new business and new technology. Especially for the Hong Kong government, they change their policy to be more tech-friendly and crypto-friendly, and they want to develop their digital asset business. So it provides a good opportunity for these virtual banks to develop their business. 
And while recently we we saw some a tech-friendly U.S. bank uh, went bust, but it's different to the Hong Kong's virtual bank, especially in the deposit side, because uh, for the Hong Kong virtual bank, they focus on some granular uh, retail and SME deposit. They don't have a deposit concentration. And most of these deposits are covering by the deposit protection scheme in Hong Kong. So this uh, significant deposit run uh, risk for this virtual bank is relatively low. I wonder how much, uh, say, the pandemic played into this. The old-fashioned banks, the branches were closed, and I think a lot of people were very wary of having mm. to touch anything physical or, or meet in, in person. So do you think that's helped stimulate the sector at all? Yes, of course. I mean, especially during the pandemic, we, we saw that most, even for the most of the uh, incumbent bank, they continue to develop this kind of online platform. More and more uh, Hong Kong tech-savvy population eager to use and try to use the, the virtual bank as well. That helped them to, for, for their development. Let's take a look now at what the government's been doing. It's been really keen to develop the fintech sector and is looking carefully at the digital asset industry. So how do you think that fits together with the development of virtual banks? And, and does that mean they, they could have a competitive edge, that that will help? Yeah, I would say that the virtual bank's business model and their technology are the competitive advantage for them to, to develop the digital asset business. Now, for example, one of the key procedures for the digital asset transaction is the identification or the verification. And virtual banks, blockchain technology and their decentralized technology help them to reduce the risk and provide much faster uh, services uh, during the transaction. And moreover, if we look at their existing services, some of their existing services already include the web-free setting for them to, to, to do the uh, uh, virtual asset business. So they are in good positions to develop this kind of business. I'm, I'm not saying the incumbent bank cannot handle it, but they have less flexibility because they are well established. Uh, when they need to develop the new business, they have to do a lot of changes, including in their back end and also the approval system. So I would say that virtual banks could move quicker than the incumbent banks. It's all about agility. Thank you so much, Sean Hung, Vice President and Senior Creditor Officer at Moody's Investors Service for helping explain all of that this morning. Thanks, Caroline, and uh, thanks, Sean.